welcome to another episode of the Black Esquire podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Whitehead. If this is your first time tuning in to the Black Esquire podcast, this is a platform where we discuss various issues affecting black young professionals. Um, I am here with my lovely co-host, Michelle Jenkins. What up? Michelle, where can they find us on social media? So hello, everybody. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Shelly, as always. Doesn't she have the best voice, guys? I try. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for the fellowship crew. The fellowship is a closed Facebook group that you can sort of join in this conversation, continue discussing these type of topics, and feel comfortable to just be yourself, hop on your soapbox, or get your ish off as you so choose. Um, So find us on Facebook, like the group, rate the group, and join the closed group. Um, You can also listen to the rest of our episodes on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, um, and SoundCloud. You can also find us on Instagram at Black Esquire Podcast. Um, for those of you who are following us, it used to be BLK underscore ESQ. We've upgraded our brand. We're bougie now. Uh, <laughs> and if you have questions that we have not covered or you would like us to consider or just ha- having an issue at work or in your professional life or anything of that sort, please feel, feel, feel free to email us at theblackesquirepodcast at gmail.com and we will read your letter on on um, on air and you can uh, sort of get uh the closure and the information that you need right away. So, all right. So we it's not just Michelle and I here. We have a very special guest joining us today. With us is Ashley Kirkwood. Ashley Kirkwood is an associate at a large law firm in Chicago. She's a trial lawyer with a focus on employment and government litigation. She also maintains an active civil rights pro bono practice. When she's not engaged in work, she enjoys recording for her YouTube channel, Passion, Purpose, and Paychecks, where she interviews a variety of professionals who have left traditional cor- who have left traditional corporate jobs to launch businesses that they are passionate about. Outside of work, Ashley loves traveling with her husband, worshiping at her family's church, and singing. Thank you for joining us, Ashley. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you and to speak about today's topic. Great. But before we get into the topic, Ashley, what are you sipping on in Black Esquire tradition? <laughs> <laughs> I have a bit of a Stella Rosa red wine here. It's really sweet, something I really like. <laughs> so I'm very excited very that you all had that for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have to keep our guests properly hydrated. <laughs> right. <laughs> <With the wine. laughs> right. What What's you wisdom? Michelle, what, what you sipping on, Michelle? I'm sipping on Merlot. It's it's something I picked up. <laughs> I don't think it's anything fancy. Robert Mondavi. It's, um, if you like dry reds, don't get Robert Mondavi. It's not as dry as I like, but it's dry enough for a 6.33 recording, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also sipping on Merlot along with Michelle. Mm-hmm. So, um, without further ado, Michelle, what are we talking about today? So today... We are talking about building diversity into your network, how to build it, what's the value of it, and how to really gauge when you're being nurtured or not. 
and we'll sort of segue that into sort of brand management and things like that. Um, because your network, your brand, they should reflect each other. So they go together and things like that. And Ashley's the perfect person to talk about this type of thing. So we're excited. Um, so let's kick off this conversation. So did you ladies see online the the two-year-old younger lady who was um, viewing the Michelle Obama um, exhibit? Yes. yes. And she looked at her. <laughs> and it was um, almost breathtaking to see sort of everyone um, recognize the importance of representation. And I think that representation, that sort of almost not really an obsession, but that concern with representation can sometimes lead us to be um, sort of monolithic in the sort of network that we end up attracting or gravitating towards. Have you all had that experience? As far as? Just when you started networking, did you find, did you look up and find yourself around a bunch of people that look at Think just like you. No. Uh, when I Ashley first got no. started, yes. When okay. I first got started, so uh, I don't know if I shared. Well, I'm not going to share it today, but I don't know if I've shared my story with the Black Esquire listeners. But uh, I, I believe I've I've told everyone that I have my own legal recruiting company, and so I'll speak from like the entrepreneur perspective. So when I first got started, um, I focused on the black attorneys that I knew and mm-hmm. those were the people who I targeted and I started networking with mm-hmm. when I first got started. Mm-hmm. Um, however, comma, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I quickly learned that to really be successful, you have to go out of outside of people who just look like us because we'll support. I hate to generalize, but this is just my experience again as an entrepreneur. Speak the truth. I will speak. You know, we'll support <laughs> to a certain extent. And then after that, you know, we have we have to go elsewhere to, mm-hmm. to really advance. Uh-uh. That has been my experience. <laughs> yeah, so I hate to, you know, I don't want to make it. Here's the thing, right? If you believe that racism is real then you have to believe that there is a power dynamic and that there is power that we as a black community don't have. And if that's true, then in order to climb the corporate ladder, you'll need a a black network because you'll need people you can be real with, people that can help foster you, who can help mentor you. But your sponsors, those individuals that will actually hire you and get you the job and ensure that you make it to the highest levels of your career may not be african-american not by any fault of their own but because of this racist power structure like racism is literally like the reason black people can't be racist because we don't have the power to be racist if we don't have the power to be racist it comes as no surprise that we don't have the power to hire and push other careers up to the very top like overwhelmingly we don't that's increasingly changing especially in the law firm space as you see a lot more um, african-american general counsels and people who are you know, in the positions to give you business as as a black lawyer uh, at a firm. But overwhelmingly, I don't, I think that any relationship you have, it has to be real. I don't believe in playing the power game. I don't believe in going and, you know, kissing up to people who have power just because they have power. I think that that's the wrong way to network. I think people hate networking because they do it in an obligatory fashion. Mm-hmm. Networking genuinely is building relationships. So if I meet someone who's a CEO, but me and him do not click, 
then that's not someone I'm going to invest my time in because we don't have any organic connection. But if I meet someone who, you know, who I have a genuine connection with and I can make some commonality with that person, then I'm going to invest in that relationship, you know, and it may start with a 15 minute phone introduction then it goes to coffee. For me, after the third meeting, I'm trying to get to dinner and drinks. Like that's when you know you've built a real relationship. I want to talk about things outside of work, but the onus is on the mentee or the person seeking tutelage. So sometimes we give up too quick. Oh, absolutely. Overwhelmingly, though, you need black people in your corner. You do. You, yeah. But above anything, above race, you need genuine connections with people. Oh, That's the ticket. Me and Shelly were just talking about that as we were sort of workshopping this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back. But my experience was different because I went to HBCU. I went to Spelman. Shout out to the Spelman girls listening. Um, <laughs> but Spelman has great diversity because obviously um, black people aren't a monolith. We right. know that because we're black, so we understand right. that. But when you're accustomed to sort of a strong black network like Spelman or a Howard mm-hmm. or any of the sort of Ivy League of the black colleges type of um, network might provide mm-hmm. th- that they might yield you get spoiled right because it's like oh I got everything I need I know judges I know lawyers mm-hmm. I know you know you feel very connected but the reality is is that there has to be diversity on different aspects but I want to circle back and touch and so for me let me be clear so for me I initially sought out other black people because I had witnessed and been immersed in black in a certain power in a community of black people that was very nurturing, mm-hmm. that was very um, encouraging, empowering, and things like that. And I think trying to recreate that in my adult life um, has its ups and downs. Um, it's positives and it's negatives because, like you said, you know, that's the reality of our sort of society says you do need diversity in your network. And so this is a new lesson for me. Um, I wanted to circle back, though, to the value topic that you were talking about. Um, so the, I think we sort of do the networking thing consistently expecting that we receive something almost immediately. No, that's not how it works. Right. (laughs) But I think that's the perception that you get. Um, Well, that's because people are looking at networking like, okay, I'm going to do this and they're going to give me this. First off, you need to network before you need anything. Mm -hmm. My goal in any relationship is what can I give to the relationship? Mm -hmm. That's how you have to approach your relationships. I mean, I have my marriage is good because I'm not going into it like, okay, what can he get do for me every right. day? Like, that's <laughs> right. not gonna work. Like, it right. works because I'm like, okay, how can I? When I'm out, I want to get him things to make him happy. And having mm-hmm. professional relationships is the same way. If you see an article, your mentor may like you send it to them. If you see, I had a mentor who was um, it was my first year of law school. She started mentoring me. She was the woman who told me to transfer from John Marshall to Northwestern. And she was like, and I'll help you do it. And it was a white woman, and she was like, yeah, you need to transfer. She was like, first of all, you're a black woman. You get this Northwestern degree. 
there will be no door that's closed to you. This is what you need to do. Let's figure out how to do it. Now, after she gave me that advice, it was up to me to figure out how do I get the grades to transfer? How do I do mm -hmm. all of that? Mm -hmm. But the first chance I got, I knew she wanted to teach at Northwestern. I introduced her to the professor that inevitably hired her to teach adjunct exactly. at Northwestern. So she was, you know, she couldn't even, she was like, whoa, I can't believe you did that. You never, and even, and that was as a student. So mm -hmm. that was as a law student. So there's always something you can do to help someone else out. But you only know what that person wants by learning about them and learning what their goals are. Like, we're always quick to say what our goals are. And I, even on my YouTube show, like, I asked my videographer, the uh, producers, I'm like, what is your goal? Like, what do you actually want? That's the first thing I do anytime. Yeah, what do you want out of life? And Shelly can attest to this. When I started working with her with the Professional Development Committee, which is how we met, and if you listen to our first episode, you'll hear how we met. Um, that was the first thing I asked her. What do you want to get out of this committee? Mm -hmm. That, And I think that's a sign of good leadership, though. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's something people always have. So... <laughs> And we just get caught up. Like, life isn't yes. easy, right? Like, it's no. hard. Being being black in America is not an easy thing. Being a black mm -hmm. lawyer in America is a different type of battle, right. right? So, like, it is easy to get caught up in, I'm not feeling well, I'm not doing well, I'm not where I want to be. And, and you lose sight of your ultimate... Me, me, I feel like my ultimate purpose is to help other people anyway. Mm -hmm. So, I'm never fulfilled when I'm only doing well, but my tribe isn't winning. Like, mm -hmm. I, I feel best when, like, everybody in my corner is winning. Right. Like, when my friends are on point, when my husband's doing good, when he's moving and shaking, like, mm -hmm. that's how I feel the best. Um, yeah. So, it's easy to get caught up in, like, how hard the struggle is, because um, the struggle is real out here in these streets. But <laughs> <laughs> you have to be mindful of how you can contribute to the lives of those around you, especially those relationships that you value. Absolutely. And I want to uh, piggyback off what you said, Ashley, about adding value. That's something that I learned from actually diversifying my network. Mm -hmm. So for me going to different networking groups where I'm often the only black person, I'm, only, I'm the only person of color, let alone the only black person in the room, but they all understand that they're there to help each other and to help mm -hmm. uh, add value. Oh, yeah. And so I'm learning from them um, as I've been on this entrepreneurship journey that to make introductions. Yeah. That's like the the, the creme de la creme yeah. that you can do in any relationship. They want to they wanna tap into your network. Who do you know that can mm -hmm. help me? Um, and that's just, and it's, it, it doesn't cost you anything. It's no mm -hmm. actual energy that you're expounding, mm -hmm. but it, but it's of so much value because people remember that. Yeah. And, and they, that's how you, that's how you get power, right? Yeah. Like powerful people are those that not that have necessarily all the money. It's that they have the influence mm -hmm. to get you in rooms. You would have never been able to get in yourself Absolutely. and really rich people, like the rich people that I work with at my firm, like the multi 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 millionaires the people who like literally told me i don't know how much money i make every year i'm not there yet that's where i want to be like those right. people they're always like well how can i help you what do we need to do to get you here you want to be on this you want to clerk for the supreme court what do we need to do what calls do i need to make yeah. and what i learned is they don't collect you know objects but they collect relationships mm -hmm. and they impart something in you so that when you do flourish and grow they're right there <laughs> And then they have you as someone who can add to their influence and power structure. So, yeah. I think for me, I'm similar to you in that I don't believe in just taking, taking, taking. In fact, right. I'm, I'm also not happy when I'm not really contributing something to a relationship or a situation, a room or whatever. I think, though, 
for some people, networking is just, it's hard as it, as it begins. And then it's so far outside of its comfort zone. So mm-hmm. I need I need us to talk about the sort of benefits of there being a diverse, a diversity. And we need to define diversity. I think when people think about diversity, the first thing they think about is race. And while race is certainly um, a concern of ours, I don't think that's more than evident. The title of the podcast is the Black Esquire Podcast. We get it, guys. But (laughs) there's also the necessity for there to be diversity in terms of your uh, the tenure of people that you that you are sort of um, interacting and engaging with. You don't just want to be talking to your peers about you know, how you're going to prepare for your work review. You want to be talking about somebody, talking to someone who is wise, as well as, you know, someone who is in power. Um, and wisdom doesn't always come from the power. Understand that they don't coincide. Like you said, don't mm-hmm. just chase the power, right? right. So, um, so then my question is, sort of, how do you... Um, what benefits have you seen from having the sort of diverse network that you have for each of you? So for me, the benefit is getting, like, I think there's wisdom in a multitude of counsels. So I have mentors inside my organization, mentors outside my organization, mentors like horizontally, my peers that I trust that are in the same field as me, not those outside the field. If you're in big, first off, even law firms are very diverse. Like I hear this thing, like law firms are all the same. That's false. They're not all the same. Um, And they're not even in the same, they're not even in the same brackets, right? Like if you're at a mega firm, right? Like your firm is, you're at 4 million profit per partner. That's a whole different bracket than a firm that's like 500,000 profit per partner. Like that's very different. So the game is different. The way that we charge clients is different. And so the The way way that we run the business is, is, yeah, the way you get clients is different. So you need, you need peers that understand that dynamic. And I think it's good to have, you know, peers that do that. At the same time, I think it's beneficial to have friends that are in um, government if you're in-house. I think it's Mm -hmm. beneficial to have friends that are um, at corporations when you're at a law firm because they can give you a client's perspective. They can tell you how they actually um, hire law firms, the structures Mm -hmm. that they use, how that's going to evolve over the next five years. Mm -hmm. And then I have mentors that are very, very, very senior. Like they used to be on the management committee of the firm, but now they're closer to retirement. I have a mentor that's on the management committee of my firm. And then I have a mentor who's a non-share partner and a share partner and a senior associate who's going to make partner next year. That way Mm -hmm. I can see how partnership Mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. So you want to have all those things, but your peers are really there for like, I just got this bad review. Right, right, right. (laughs) Like I just got this bad review. We need to meet for wine ASAP. Like that's, yes, that's what you, that's why your peers are there. Like they're the ones who I can run ideas by. Yes. but they're not really the going to tell me. Yeah. Like outside of the scope of right. their like main bread and butter career. Like exactly. Right, right. Yeah, but they're not going to tell me like, yeah. no, you need no. to go back and apologize. <laughs> they're going to be like, hell yeah. That's disrespectful. They should have never done that. Right, right, right. Fuck her. Like, like some of your friends will tell you that. Some of them won't. So you need that. But you need, you just need people at all levels. For me, that's been beneficial because my first year of practicing was really. Hold on, talk about. 
excuse my dog, she is crying <laughs> and whining. I'm going to let her out of the cage so that she can stop whining on the podcast. She wants to be a part. Ashley, please continue. My first year of practicing was really uh, a whirlwind. I did three trials my first year. The third trial, I actually led the trial, and so that changed a lot for me. It was my first time, you know, conducting a jury trial, doing everything myself along with two of my team members, but I was doing the opening statement, directs, it was in federal court in Wisconsin, and it was a racially charged civil rights case. And I needed friends who I could be like, girl, these jurors, what's going on? And then, so you just need people who can handle that with you. But when you get a review, you need a more senior, level-headed individual. And the way that we get work, we get work from partners. We don't get work from associates. So you need people who can make sure that you always have work to do which is a big thing. Um, and then I have I have mentors that are recruiters too because I think that they're always great because I can figure out where I'm actually at in the market. What's my value in the market? Which I personally believe this. Everyone will not agree with this. I think you should interview every year. I don't care if you leave your firm mm. or not because that will allow you to know what your, what your market value is. So then you always know what I can demand in the marketplace. Is my experience, you know, is it is it hidden? Is it not hidden? I'm not always looking for a job, but... It helps me to know, okay, I am valuable. I can leave if I want to. I believe until you have what um, is it? What Tyra Banks calls FU money, you need yes, FU job yes. offers because these firms are shady. They will do what it's a, it's a business. It's not that they're shady. They're good business people. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. They know how to get paper. They know that people are expendable. As sweet as they, you think you are, they know they can replace you with someone else, black or yeah. not. And that means you may be in a position where you need to move quick and you need people who are always after you and then you have to move. I personally really, really, really like the place that I work. Mm -hmm. um, however, I also know where I can go if I need to make a move. Yeah. And you know what? My brother-in-law used to say all the time, and this is the basis of it. So even if you're not an attorney, the bottom line <laughs> is, is a, you should always think like a monkey could do my job. And so, and not calling you a monkey. I'm just saying. Not calling you a monkey. Right. Not calling you a monkey. I'm not calling you a monkey. I'm just saying, have the perception that <laughs> you could indeed get fired tomorrow. Because most people, in reality, Ooh, I do compliance work in this. The reality is, is most people. Are, is she getting on you? Mm -hmm. Stand deep. Come here. <laughs> the, um, most people are, um, uh, what's it called? At will employees, mm -hmm. which means your employer can pretty much fire you at any time. For any reason. For any reason. Any non-discriminatory right. reason. Exactly. Any non-discriminatory reason. And you have to prove the discrimination. Oh, and that's hard to prove. But Very anyway, hard. we're not going to go off on a tangent because that's a long tangent. Yeah. But the reality You gotta look out for you. Yes, that's look that's out what for I was you. Say. We go to these jobs as black people and we're always so lucky to be there. Skip mm -hmm. that. You need to walk in that door, assess the lay of the land, figure out, okay, what am I trying to get from this employer? Mm -hmm. I personally, this is not gonna make me a popular employee, but I personally <laughs> believe my goal at every job is to get more from them than they get from me, period. Yes. Right. Like, my goal is to go in, make wonderful relationships, do a great job, get all the opportunities I want to get, get the press that I want to get, get the, the awards that I need to get so that when I leave, I have something that I can take with me. They're not going to 
kick me out empty-handed. Yeah. The goal is also to never get kicked out of an organization. However, yeah. you know, things do happen. I just keep it at 100. Like, I'm... Happens, <laughs> luckily, you know? like, you know, the firm's very stable, mm-hmm. but we all know when the economy went bad, a lot of mm-hmm. people lost their jobs That's at these true. wonderful, Real big, quick. very stable firms. And, and a lot of them were black, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Black people, black and people I think, be the first ones. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand that to be um, scared of your small be- small beginnings, I think the reality is is the opportunity is what you make it. And I think we sleep on that. I had a person that I reached out to and I offered an internship. She said she was... I don't want to tell this story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can tell this since it wasn't me. Yeah, you, you can. not read the story. Okay, so basically... Um, you know, Michelle and I, we we do a lot of joint ventures together. Oh, so, I know what I can say. I know what I can say. Okay, I know what ahead. I can say. <laughs> My Leap Teal has a very uh, good podcast or whatever. It's related. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> she won't. Hey, Cindy, get down. Down. Good girl. Come here. Come here. So, um, I told you, Sandy is a guest today. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so the long the short of it is bottom line you have to be willing to show what you are worth and what your value is in order to get certain jobs and then yeah. remember what your value is it's a two-part test it's not just give me a job give me a job give me a job give me money give me money give me money sometimes you have to actually be willing to work for free um I know that's painful to hear. I know that sucks. I know it seems like, you know, that that would be against everything. Like, why would I work for free? But the reality is, is if you don't have any experience, no one is going to pay you to find out whether or not you can do the job that they are trying to hire you to do. If you don't have experience in a field that you're interested in, doggone it, take that free job. And get the opportunity. Opportunity trumps money most days. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing with that is, you wanna you wanna work for free if you can while you're in school. I wouldn't yes. do it. like you need yeah. to get the experience while you're in school. I took a low paying job while I was in school mm-hmm. in the employment law space because I knew I wanted to be an employment lawyer and I had to show that I was I had already had firm experience. So in law school, I took a job like it was like twelve dollars an hour working at a law firm doing. Very little, but learning the lingo, doing what I needed to do to build up my resume on that, uh, which was helpful because then they recommended me to another position. I don't recommend working for free when you have your degree. It's too late. No, you need to figure out. You need to go somewhere where they have good training, where you can get paid to do your job because you cannot. It is very difficult to be an effective employee when you're worried about money every day because mm-hmm. then you're just stressed out. And stress, even when you are being paid, can impair your job performance. Mm-hmm. And we got enough to stress about. I can hurt. <laughs> I can hurt. Yeah, I've definitely uh, I give advice to law students. Yeah, all the time to work for free. Mm-hmm. I tell them free isn't forever, so you can use that experience to leverage you getting a another higher paying job. Because I've done, I did the same. Mm-hmm. Um, like the summer after my one year, I worked for free. Um, at a position, and I took two buses and a train to get mm-hmm. there. Uh, every well, every other day for the whole summer of my one year, and I used that experience to get me my summer associate position at the firm yep. that eventually hired me later on. 
So yeah. you gotta you gotta build on mm-hmm. experiences if you're a student. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the reality is is when you first graduate, even from a, like a graduate situation, my first job was AmeriCorps Vista. AmeriCorps Vista is dope. You know, they give you stuff, but they pay crap when you are like in the program. It's really crappy. But um the experience was so invaluable because I was running the show. So you have to gauge in every situation that you're in. But don't be out here with no experience talking about, oh, I can't work for free. You don't have no experience. So anyway. And if you don't <laughs> if you don't have a job, that's a different situation. So if you're unemployed, right. you shouldn't just be at home looking for jobs. What you should be mm-hmm. doing, wake up at 5 a.m., apply to 10 jobs before 8 a.m., and then you yep. go and you volunteer somewhere so that you can, you know, build that book of business if you are already unemployed but you have to do both you have to work and apply and if you're going to work for free negotiate the salary that you get no one it doesn't have to say for free on your resume instead of being like volunteer see if they're comfortable with you being listed as like legal advisor to x group you know what i mean like make it it needs to be what what we need to figure out how to do is to be strategic so that you don't have to work for free so that you don't have to take jobs you don't want to take after graduation Mm -hmm. but if you don't start planning on day one of law school it will happen because it is not or day one of grad school or day one of grad school because it's Mm -hmm. not it's just not sweet out here it doesn't matter what school you go to now there are schools you can go to to put yourself in a better position you should look at those stats before you go to school Mm -hmm. like these are things you need to plan out because for me not making money wasn't an option but I had to figure out what that meant. Which firms paid what? What was I willing to accept? How do I, how do I sure that up? Well before graduation, I had my full time job after my second year of law school, and I had an offer after my first year of law school. So you want to be it, if you're strategic on the front end, it will help you on the back end. But it will be work. I'll tell you that. So some people don't be willing to work. So then you're gonna have to do what you got to do. So let me let me ask you guys, um, do you all find that people that look like us are as eager to help you as people who don't? It depends. <laughs> it depends. There are some evil people out there, black and white. So mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you can't really judge it off that. I think that there are I've experienced here's what I've experienced. I've experienced white people that will help me ask him for nothing in return. I've also experienced people that are powerful people that were, you know, not black, that did not want to help regardless. They'll have a little meeting. Mm-hmm. They'll give advice that won't really help push me forward. Yes. And then I'd leave the that meeting feeling test. empty. So that okay. doesn't help me either. I've also experienced black women mm-hmm. who've been very willing to help in the beginning. But once I reached a level that they perceived to be above the level they were at, were extremely rude and ignorant. So let's just keep it 100. That happens too. When people perceive the mentee to have surpassed the mentor, it's all mental then they may treat you differently. This happened to me and a couple of my friends. Okay. So you want to be real careful about people who only mentor you to their glass ceiling. Yes. If they're only telling you to do what they did, if they're only telling you to go to schools because they got into that school, if they're only telling you to apply to jobs that they've been able to obtain, then run for the hills because that person never wants you to reach higher than them. A great mentor mentors you well past their glass ceiling and they'll tell you, I don't know. But let me introduce you to person X who's actually done that. That's not my level of expertise. Mm -hmm. It's arrogance when the mentor will never say, I don't know, and instead will give you some half-behind advice that Mm -hmm. won't really help you. And send you to a website. (laughs) If you ever get sent to a website by a mentor, that is not your mentor. That is... Unless you're asking something that, like, you literally could have just looked up. Like, don't waste your time. Yes, yes, yes. 
don't waste but, their time. That's true. Because like, students and sometimes, you know, junior lawyers will are good for asking questions that are like, like, it's like, how do I become a lawyer? Like, okay, you got to go to law school. I don't think that's the best. Yes, you want to be strategic, right? That's not your best use of time yeah. with somebody who's busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all lawyers are busy. They're not there just to serve you. And they're mentors. Oh. That's not a paid job. All professionals are busy. All general. professionals are busy. Absolutely. And I had similar experiences. I know when I first when I first got started, before I started my company, I was doing a version of my company myself. And so I was I had a lot of African American clients at the time mm-hmm. and I was charging a particular price for probably said way undervalued. Very way very way undervalued. But once I started my business and I upped mm. my price all of those clients were gone. <laughs> they were like, mm, yeah, I, I can't, I can't work, rock with you anymore. That's and sense. so I had to get a whole new set of clients, but that, that worked out because that ended up going back to our topic, diversifying our network. Yeah. So I had to go outside of, you know, people who look like me, um, who were willing to pay my now <laughs> higher value. Mm-hmm. My, my at, no, 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 no. My blue book value. Pay that. All of that. All of that. All of that. And, you know, I, I haven't been hurting since. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let them know, Shelly. You know, <laughs> right. Good. You should get what you're worth. I'm, I'm just saying. So. Absolutely. And beware of people who are always telling you you can't do or what you won't right, do yeah. or what you shouldn't do. Like, you don't, you don't need that, to be honest. That's mm-hmm. not what you need. People giving you the risks, that's different than people saying, oh, well, you probably won't do that or it's going to be hard for you to do this. Like, that's just not a fulfilling or edifying conversation. Right. And these aren't your family members. Like, you're only having a, these professional relationships for them to be edifying and fulfilling. Right. Exactly. On both ends. Exactly. And I think sometimes we doubt ourselves. So it's important to put yourself in networks that are nourishing and nurturing in a way that is not, um, how can I put this? I think sometimes in, I think sometimes in the, in predominantly the black sort of networks um, or groups, these sort of professional groups that develop. Um, the, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm yelling at Sandy again. Um, the... <laughs> The reality is that sometimes they can have this sort of family dynamic that is mm-hmm. very cultural mm-hmm. and very, but also very hierarchical. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it's like, oh, you little young lawyer, or oh, you little young counselor, you mm-hmm. you little young professional, you're a newbie, you still have milk behind your ears type situation, and you end up with this sense of. How can I make it to be them without really checking their resume or if they're really in the position to be really trying to put you in this situation where you're little, you're young, you're all these sort of disqualifiers. Um, And I think it's important to sort of put yourself in situations where you feel uh, almost pushed beyond your limits and stretched Mm -hmm. as opposed to, I don't know what what to call that, just... Be put in a box. Yes. You got to be careful of people that are gods in their own minds. Like, there's a lot of that. I think that it's easy when, you bec- when you're when you black and you're an elite profession and you're one of the only to become, like, 
a mini god in your own mm-hmm. mind and like, yeah. oh, all you minions, like, <laughs> like you all need to kiss the ring before I give you mm-hmm. advice and counsel. Mm-hmm. The reality is none of these systems were set up for us to fail. Like my firm was founded, I think in like 1901 at a time when I could have never worked there. Maybe it was 1911. It was a, it was long, long, long time ago. At the time it was founded, black people could have never been lawyers there, right? Like, so it's not built for me to win. It's also not my firm. So you can't expect these systems to welcome African-Americans with open arms or these government agencies. I mean, the government literally sanctioned slavery. So when you work for a government organization or a company Mm -hmm. that was basically built on the foundation of free labor or you work for a law firm that was built at a time when you couldn't do anything but maybe clean the bathrooms, you can't expect it to welcome you with open arms. That being said, you have to have confidence in yourself. You cannot allow those systems to tell you you're just you just got to be lucky to be there no you go in you assess it you walk with confidence even if you make a mistake this is not conditioned on you being seen as like an exceptional lawyer you deserve i heard um i don't want to misquote her so i'm not gonna say her name but i heard this really dope black woman lawyer say black lawyers deserve to be mediocre and wealthy just like mediocre white lawyers i 100 percent agree with that this whole working twice as hard is complete crap and it has not gotten us anywhere collectively ever so older black lawyers that i meet some of the disconnect for me is like they'll say things like oh you know you complaining about this but in my day they used to just call us nigga Okay, well, that's a problem. And you were still working twice as hard, busting your back. So your advice to me cannot then be sit down, shut up, conform. It has to be go to work as your authentic self. Do the best that you can. But if you make a mistake, oh, freaking well. Mm -hmm. Keep your ducks in a row. Keep your resume fresh. Keep networking and building outside of your organization and have an exit plan or yes. have a plan for moving up in the organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't we shouldn't have to be like, well, I'm just not good enough or I didn't go to this school or I shouldn't mm-hmm. be able I can't talk with confidence cuz I'm only making this much. No. You prevail through whatever you have to prevail through to get there. Yeah. That's where your confidence is from. Like yeah. you are from a lineage of people that used to be enslaved and enchained. Right. That's where your confidence comes from. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come from validation or a review right. or some white man or some old black person telling you that you're good enough. <laughs> like that's not where it can't come from. That it just can't. It's well, I'm gonna stop where I'm gonna stop there in terms of where it should come from. That is up to your own religion and things like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, like my like honestly, my faith is in God. It's not in my job. So like I right, don't go to right. work treating them like they're my Messiah, praying to them, hoping and wishing and praying mm-hmm. that I that it gives me the strength to oh, wake up in the morning. Partner. Right, like <laughs> please, like I don't even have people are like. Well, how could you say that to a partner when they when they yell at you? You should have no. I demand respect. I go to work, and I, there's three things I don't tolerate. Don't yell at me. Don't curse at me. Don't take credit for my work. Any That's of those right. three, you will get called out. I don't care if you're on the management committee. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're an associate. But that's just me. And that mm-hmm. may mean that I'm not going to be on the management committee there because yeah. they, they like subservient blacks. Most of these companies love, love. the palatable black person. Oh, absolutely. Yes. They love the black palatable. person that will never absolutely. speak out, that will say they're doing great at diversity when they suck. They love that black person. They love the, you know, <sighs> ambiguous in their race. You don't know if they're black or if they're something mm-hmm. else. They love, that's who they put on all the we diversity. They about, love that person. Yes. So if you're going to be authentically you, just know that may mean mm-hmm. they may not put you in all the recruiting uh, <laughs> pamphlets and all, but I'm cool with that because I'm not going nowhere acting fake and funny in 2018. I'm not doing it. It hasn't yes. gotten us anywhere. Mm-hmm. It hasn't. I don't fight out on, I don't fight every battle, 
But if I feel like I need to speak up, I do it. I don't question it. And I don't go back and tell my girlfriends, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I just <laughs> right. told Massa they shouldn't have talked to me like that. Hope they don't whip me. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. At this point, the risk is not being hung from a tree. So right. we need to be speaking out on these things if yes. you feel convicted to do so. If you don't, don't. I don't think anyone has any obligation to train anybody on anything. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like don't, what happens is, and I don't want to take up too much time. No, this is good. this is what I experience in, in law firms, in big law specifically. Mm-hmm. I experience people who aren't black coming into my office and dumping all their microaggressions and implicit biases and stereotypes onto me. And instead Welcome of to my world and government. So that's that's what I experience. Now what I do in that instance and I I throw it back at them. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey John, did you recognize that by saying X, Y, and Z, it made me feel as though you were unaware of my value? Did you mean to say that? Do yeah. you recognize that that just showed that you have some implicit biases that I'd have liked to discuss if you have five minutes? Did you know that you were doing that? They don't think about us. They, no, they don't. In my experience, my white friends, they, they don't ever wake up and think, like, how can I make a black woman's life better today? Ever. No, they don't. Ever. 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 But I'm always thinking, like, dang, I got to make sure Becky is pleased. I got to make sure I'm not coming off too hard. So I don't want her to think I'm yelling at her. Right. Like, Wait, that's what I'm I got to make sure that my natural is not too puffy so that Becky is not offended by it and doesn't think right. it's unkempt. But they, they never wake up like, how can I make the black associates more comfortable today? Right. They never do that. So I put it back. You're not about to come in my office and dump all this stuff on me, and then I'm just going to sit there texting my friends like, I can't believe she. We're going to address it in the moment, period, point blank. Mm-hmm. That way, I get it off my chest. Now, I don't feel bad about it no more. I done told you how I feel about it. You can either accept it or not. Most of the time, they're so shocked that you say it that it'll never happen again. <laughs> they're like, oh, crap. She just called me oh, out. She called me I out. didn't even know that that was an issue. I've been saying that for centuries or for generations or for decades. So I think you should, you know, hey, don't dump it on me and leave it with me. Because I will pass that plate right back to you. And you'll have to figure out how to deal with it moving forward. That's true. I get what you're saying. I'm sorry, I had to reprimand Sandy in the middle of her great point. <laughs> now she had it. <laughs> but either way, I think the reality is, is that we don't, I think that all boils down to the fact that you have to recognize your value as you're, as you're continuing to diversify your network. Don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone into some network with people that don't necessarily look at look like you. That is the whole point of networking, that you need to be networking and learning things from people who have something to offer that you don't necessarily have. The reality is, is we have to embrace our weaknesses in order to um, continue to feel empowered in our strengths. We have to embrace our weaknesses. And so my, I guess my sort of sticking point with this whole topic is just, the reality is, is that you need to have a network that reflects more than just you, but also can sort of check your blind spots for you. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot do that, you need to keep building. And that's difficult, yes, but it's not impossible. And it it's not something that our peers who look like our palms Mm -hmm. are not doing. That is exactly (laughs) what they're doing. And that is the way you become competitive in any field is understanding your weaknesses, understanding when you need to hire someone, understanding Mm -hmm. when you need to consult someone Mm -hmm. and understanding when it's just something that has an issue with, there's an issue within yourself. Like it's like discipline or 
um, sort of managing yourself. I've, I've heard this new term. It's called managing up. Oh, yeah. Um, I had never heard of it before. I've been le- reading the Little Black Book for leadership for black Afri- oh, uh, for yeah. African Americans and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a dope book. You should read the book. Uh, but and it, it's it's for black women. Let me be clear. But it is so applicable to just black people everywhere. Um, the reality is is that you have to know how you are best managed. And if your manager is not exemplifying the things that assist you in being managed well and, and sort of lead you to being your best self, you need to first consult somebody that's a little bit more wise than you, mm-hmm. that has had a little bit more experience than you. And by a little bit, I mean like 10 to 15 years more experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to find out how you can sort of communicate to your manager hey, I need this thing. And if you get pushback from it, then you need to decide how you can manage yourself to be able to deal in whatever world they're creating. Anyway, moving right along. Um, so, Ashley, where can people find you? What are you up to? Tell us about you. So people can find me on Instagram at Passion, Purpose, and Paychecks and on Facebook, just Ashley Nicole Kirkwood. So basically now what I'm up to, I'm at a large law firm. I'm going to start very soon moving into doing exclusively employment litigation on behalf of employers. And also I host a YouTube show, which I really like. It's something that I enjoy doing called Passion, Purpose, and Paychecks, where I interview entrepreneurs that have left traditional corporate America to launch their own businesses. And this is, I've interviewed a wide range of people, and you can find that, if you Google Passion, Purpose, and Paychecks, either the website or the YouTube show will come up, and you can check out our interviews. We've uploaded about 30 different segments at this point, and we upload new interviews every Monday, which is great. We've interviewed Shelly, so her interview is live. Yes, so you can hear, <laughs> right, so you can hear her story about how she started Legal V. I don't qualify. I'm very, very <laughs> traditional. I'm in the government sector. <laughs> So it's been it's been really really fun. And I, right now I'm just discovering what I want to do, what I love to do. I absolutely love doing civil rights work, and I'll continue to do that work pro bono. Aww. And um, yeah, so that's what I'm up to. And oh, traveling. Actually, you have done such an amazing job with yes. passion, purpose, and paychecks. Thank I'm, you. I'm not just yeah. saying that because I was interviewed for, <laughs> for your channel. See, we love Black Girl Magic at yes, the Black it's Black Girl Podcast. Magic. Black Boy Thank Joy too. Yes, but um, we definitely want to know, how have you been able to maintain and manage your passion, and passion, purpose, and paychecks brand and be a successful trial attorney? At um, let's be clear. A private law attorney, which is a very demanding situation. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's really demanding. So for me, I think the first oh, thing is... It is really sweet, yeah. I see why you like this yeah. one. I have, my bad. <laughs> we digress. I think it takes commitment. For me, I'm always thinking about, okay, am I enjoying what I'm doing? Am I happy with this? Do I have other goals or aspirations that I want to pursue? And I did. I really wanted to get more into hosting and do a lot more public speaking, which is something I put on the back burner because it is very demanding working at a large mm-hmm. law firm. But I realized sometimes you have to create opportunities for yourself. The benefit of working at a large law firm is you get paid a lot of money or a decent amount. I think it's a lot of money. But you get paid pretty well. And I invested some of that money into 
Passion, Purpose, and Paychecks, which is a YouTube channel, that eventually we'd like to start pitching out to different networks. And I, and I like it because I can interview businesses that could potentially become my clients, which is really beneficial. So if you are an employer, you own a business, you have an employment concern, let me know. Um, we represent companies. People get confused by that. So I only represent corporations. <laughs> so you mean to so tell me got fired, fired, bro? Call you. Right. No, okay. do not call me if you got fired. But maybe tell your employer to hit me up. Okay. <laughs> but, um, so, no, I'm just joking, just joking. But, yeah, so I, I represent corporations. Kind of joking. Right, kind of joking. So for passion, purpose, and paychecks, it is a huge undertaking. But the, the best thing that I've been able to do is I have a team of people that work on it with me. So I don't go it alone. I think that it is a huge mistake if you're really, really busy and you're going to start a new venture to go at it alone. One of the things I did was I uh, reached out to someone who I knew did um, production for Steve Harvey. Ooh. And she became one of my investors and a producer on the show. And she actually helped me to learn, okay, what you need to do to have a real show. So they do, they send out emails to the guests. They do uh, note cards for me while I'm interviewing. They do pitch decks. We have prep meetings. We have a videographer who's really good. We hired a makeup artist. Um, so it's a whole team of people that it's do it with legit. me. It's really good. And Nothing then, like the podcast. And then my old I'm law the only school, engineer. <laughs> and then my old law school was great uh, because they allowed me to start recording in their space uh, without actually charging me a fee, which was really good. So then I had a, a bigger recording space, which was good because I was recording at my house, which was good to start. But when you have businesses that you don't know, you don't want them in your house. So like I record uh, for a lot of the other businesses at Northwestern Law School on, um, like sometimes we do it once or twice a month. And we record five or six episodes per Saturday. So I would be up recording from, I'd be up getting ready for the show from like 4 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday morning. And I had a team that was also with me from 4 a.m. to 1 p.m. Dang girl, how many times you change your outfit in one day? I would change like for every recording, I would change my outfit. And it was good because I would get all of the recordings edited by the videographer and then I could release them and I took two months off. So in January, I went to like Bangkok and Bali and I take vacations, which is really helpful. I don't play about vacations, so I take Can vacations. we talk about rest? It yes, is so important. it is. Like I take vacations. I <laughs> love vacations. Even if it's a weekend away, I'll try to do something every three months. But we do at least once a year a bigger trip, which is like 10 days oh, or like more to Southeast. No, no, just like me and my husband. We just oh, go. Okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> we go on vacation. But you have to have a team, and then you need people that will tell you, like, oh, this is not right. Like, I'm a lawyer, but I don't know about the YouTube space. So I did hire a consultant who does a lot of YouTube work and asked her what was important to viewers, what I should make sure I'm doing. And she was helpful with that. And I think that when you are a lawyer, you don't want to have – some, if you're gonna do a side business, it can't be a janky side business, okay. right? Like it has to be, it has to look polished and professional. And I'm not making money from it. I'm doing it because I enjoy doing it. Some people run marathons. I personally do this. Like it's far more enjoyable for me than running marathons. I don't really like working out like I that. But like, Michelle runs like, marathons. Like I don't. I, the marathon, I don't. I mean, that's just not my thing. I say that though because like people at work act like it's such a big. You're like changing their idea of what a lawyer is to That's do anything true. other than law when the reality is they do other things too they just they it's just not like me like you run marathons that takes time and energy and you work out three four hours a day i don't so i have time to do other stuff like <laughs> and i record on saturdays very very early i work saturdays a lot of times with my job but i'm not working at 4 a.m on a saturday most mm -hmm. unless i'm on trial so and because it's mine if i have a trial everything just has to get pushed and you just have to be forgiving. Like, things have to happen. If they, if it, you know, it has to happen, it has to happen. Mm -hmm. But I invest in it. It takes some money to do it right, I think. And um, 
I did that because I didn't like I don't like um, janky looking videos personally. Like, yeah, like your the, ones are not janky. <laughs> no, not. Like you, they got cuts. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's like different quality. views. Yeah, but like you can it's see like some videos, one. you'll be like, Tempor oh, three? it is hard to watch those videos. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, and then I really didn't want like a client to stumble upon the page and be like, what is going on? She's like in the dark <laughs> with her camera trying to no, like that <laughs> that right. couldn't work. And because I don't know all of my guests, I want to make a good impression on them as mm -hmm. well. So it needs to be like a consistent brand. But to be clear, work comes first. Yeah. And I do whatever it takes at work. So I'm not one of those employees that's like, oh, I don't work past 10. I don't work. I work as hard as I need to work. I do, though, prefer to work at 5 a.m. versus like 11 p.m. So I'll work early versus working late. Oh. Um, my job isn't big on FaceTime. So sometimes I work from home. I do what it takes. But at the end of the day... You have to get your job done if you're going to do anything else. You have to get mm -hmm. your job done because that's what funds everything else. Um, so that's my number one priority. Well, like number two priority after family. I want to know sort of how you got the clarity for your brand. Like how did you come to clarity? Because I know for me, I um, for a while I was planning events on the side. It has sort of developed into a uh, – what did we call it, Shelly? Brand consulting. A brand consulting, brand, brand management. management, brand management company, like Shelly Experiences. Do not Google it yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's real, right? Right, that is real. Don't, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. I'm not real. ready. I'm not, I'm not ready. So, um, <laughs> I can do the work, but just don't look at my website yet. Um, shout out to Maisha. That's my... Um, she's doing my um, oh, yeah. stuff yet. Anyway, so long story short, um, I didn't realize that sometimes you end up editing your brand. Mm -hmm. Did you come to a point where you're like, okay, wait, this ain't really what I wanted to do, or maybe this was not where I'm flourishing? Because that's what happened to me. It was like I wasn't, ooh, I did not, I was flourishing. I did not like the way the event planning thing was going. I was just doing all types of events, all kinds of events, mm -hmm. which I'm great at because lawyers tend to be detail-oriented mm -hmm. and I can sew and I'm really good at DIY okay. and Pinterest crap. But that ain't really what I wanted to do. What I really wanted to do and what my primary client base was was small businesses and to mid-sized businesses that needed some help or attention to their brand and they wanted to use an event to sort of push their brand forward, mm -hmm. right? It's like launch parties. Exactly. Branding parties. I did Masa's launch party. Oh, exactly. Nice. Oh, like nice. that. Yeah. So, uh, Masa Renly, the Ren nope, it's the four-way firm now. We launched her new name and blah, blah, blah. Just for people who know. So if you're looking for a family attorney, um, yeah, she's nice. She's really good. She's super dope. That's the plug. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, and only in Chicago or Atlanta. So anyway, long story short, I guess what my question is is what advice do you have for people who are sort of looking for clarity in terms of their brand? Because you have a very clear brand. How did you come to that clarity? Do you know? So you wanted to figure. I wanted to figure out who would my what was an audience base that I was interested in. Um, for me, I was a career consultant before mm -hmm. law school, so I've oh. always helped people to do resumes and career counseling and to transition mm -hmm. from one career to another career. So you always and what I stuff. yeah, I've always been into like that 
fed into like doing employment law, which yep. I've gotten away from, but I'm definitely going 100% back into that. Mm-hmm. So I knew what, I, what I'm what i good at is helping people to get from point A to point C in their careers. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really good at. I'm, I'm even hey. I'm even better at helping people to uh, salary negotiate. I'm excellent at that. So like, oh. if you need help with salary negotiation, hit me up. Oh, we might have you on for I'm part very, two. Then, yeah, like I'm like talk about I'm that. good at that because I always get paid more than my peers <laughs> <laughs> from my understanding. What you can and see or get we're not benefits. Visual, is that her face lit up? <laughs> like I get Why paid. If you're so in the private sector, I feel like you don't work. Like I don't. I don't work in the government. I'm not helping people from a day in and day out. And I think there's an opportunity cost to that because I would love to do something that was like helping people every day. But if you're working for a for-profit corporation, great. You should be sharing in those profits. So I, you know, I believe in getting paid. But there's a strategy to doing it. And if you can't get more salary, you should go to the, I have a whole step. Like, oh, no to the salary? Okay, what about the title change? Oh, no to the title change? Okay, what about the vacation benefits? Oh, no to the vacation benefits? What about 401k match? Oh, no to that? Well, what about my vacation doesn't accrue? I get X amount the day that I start. Like, they're not saying no to everything. <laughs> so you have to keep going um, all the way up and down, even if they claim it's lockstep because firms love using that. Whatever. You, you should always get more. So I knew that that was what I was good at. But I knew that when I had career consulting clients, everyone would always say, oh, I'd ask them, like, what's your dream job? And no one would have an answer. No one. They'd be like, oh, well, I guess I'd do this. You know, I'd like to make this amount of money. But no one, somewhere along the lines, like along our lives, we just stopped dreaming as adults. Oh, and I, I wanted to find those people. I kind of call it like I was a passion hunter. Like I wanted to yeah. find people who were doing what they love to do, what they dreamed about doing, or what they're so passionate about now and put them on display so that people will see, oh, people are still dreaming. People are still following their dreams, doing a career that they're passionate about, doing what they love, and this is how you do it, and this is how they were able to make money, or this is what they sacrificed from leaving corporate to to going. And, like, are, are you willing to make that sacrifice? So because th- that was something prevalent throughout my life, mm-hmm. I kind of knew – that's what I wanted to do. Now, though, I'm um, going into a new venture doing, like, paid public speaking gigs. Yeah. And so narrowing down my okay. topics to pitch to, like, universities and corporations has been something that I have to now figure it out again. Okay, what do you really want to, to talk do? about to be your mm-hmm. brand, oh, to that. be your yeah. platform? That. That's beautiful. And that's real. I, I didn't realize. And don't feel bad about it. changing it. I mean, hey, who cares? Like, I could very easily just change the name of the show. Like, it's not, we get so wedded to these things, but that's because of our, the way school works. It's like, you go to school, you do this, you get the grades, you do that. But, like, in entrepreneurship, which you know, you have to be very, very flexible. Yeah, you pivot all the time. All the time. Based on what people are (laughs) saying, what people are interested in. It's it's not, and I'm going to say this as a very type A person who gets very wedded to ideas and is like, why did it work out? It's not because of school all the time. Well, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it's not because of school all the time. Sometimes it's because you envision this thing, and when the world doesn't, it's almost like an artist. Artists make something that's amazing. They put all mm-hmm. this time and energy yeah. into it. But an art, ask any artist, they know that when they sort of put it out. I play three instruments, so it's kind of like my yeah. thing. I relate to the artist when they put out something. They recognize that the audience is going to perceive it however they perceive it. And it's right. going to be best off their experiences and things like that. And so the, the short of it is, um, I think the reality is, even as an entrepreneur, you're really, this is really what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're putting your art out there. 
And if the world doesn't really receive it, Malik Till had this experience, you know, the founder of Curl Box or whatever. She, you know, you, you put your art out there and if people don't receive it the way you think that should, you have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. And sometimes that marriage to that idea is not so much because of the way you were trained in school, but because you put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Put a lot of thought into yeah, it. that's true. That's very true. That's very true. And I would say you should be married to what the market wants, not oh. to what your idea is. Unless oh. you're fine with not getting paid for your idea. <laughs> like sometimes you do things. Sometimes you do. You do things because it's like, like this yeah. is my art. I like making music. I really don't care if you all like it or not. Like, there's, there are artists like that. Like they could care less. It's not for the broader audience. But if you have a very Kanye. small, you know, audience and you only want to connect to like women who do this on Tuesdays, then you just got to be cool with having, like, 25 viewers all the time. But, like, if you want to grow, then I agree with Shelly 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, as Oprah says it, you have to be tied to more so, like, she says, don't get so caught up in a sort of journey in between. You should experience the journey and be sort of tied to your intended outcome or your Mm -hmm. intended sort of principle Mm -hmm. more than anything. Because the rest of it is just, it's it's part of the dream. And I think we think yeah. that we can control the dream, yeah. but the reality is, <laughs> is that the dream is just a dream. Nah, bro, right. you can't control, control that. You got to stay true to yourself, too. It's like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I have people who will, you know, they'll put themselves out there as experts at something that they've never done or never been oh really God, good at. I hate that. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's unfortunate. Like, me, I can't, I don't teach classes on how to be an entrepreneur because I'm not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I interview entrepreneurs. I do public speaking coaching because that's what I do. Like, I'm great at that. Right. You have to figure out what are you, what could you be the best in the world at and then try to sell that because that'll be authentic. Like, you're good at that. I can't teach people how to be a mom. I don't have kids. Like, that wouldn't make sense <laughs> to me to have, like, a mommy's blog. Like, yeah, right. that's crazy. But what you're good at, what you think you could be great at and what you have experience in is what you should, you know, sell. That's what you sell. If you have advice, you want to give it out for free, cool. But if you're going to sell it, you have to have at least done it or know how to do it. Right. right. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having a good time with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Um, we're going to wrap up at this point. Thank you for tuning in to the Black Esquire podcast. We hope that you receive something that you can sort of walk away with and put into practice in your career again actually uh, one more time where can they find you yes you all can find me at passionpurposeandpaychecks.com that has all the information on this show my email is admin at passionpurposeandpaychecks.com and then also on instagram at at passionpurposeandpaychecks and the same handle for facebook passionpurposeandpaychecks again this is the black esquire podcast and you've had a wonderful experience please enjoy our exit music